Alrighty, welcome back to episode six of Wheel Take Selly. Uh, I'm Nick, and I'm also uh, with my brother Andy here, as always. And last week we didn't have an episode. Basically, what happened was Tim and I, my brother, we went out to visit Andy and his girlfriend out in Boston. We were planning to do an episode uh, last week, but just with you know scheduling and and trying to do as much as we could with them while we were out there we weren't able to have an episode last week so we apologize but you know this week it kind of gave us more opportunity to talk about um the series that are going on because right now one's going to seven games and tonight is a game six for one of the series whereas last week i think at the time uh we would have only had two games to talk about for in one series and only one game to talk about in the other so at least gives us more, you know, a uh, chance to talk about uh, the Montreal Vegas series and, and the Tampa Bay uh, Islanders series, which honestly, they've been really great series to watch. I, I've enjoyed watching both of these series. Um, I think they've been hyped up to to be really good and they have not fallen short at all. Um, Montreal just continues to amaze. I mean, we're at a point where they're one win away from the Stanley Cup. And many people didn't even have Montreal winning a single game in the playoffs uh, when it started and they were up against the Leafs. So it's just amazing to see where they are and how far they've come. And they're showing no signs of stopping. Uh, And they seem to just have Vegas locked down. I mean, they, they, they play a modified trap game that just clogs the neutral zone. And it's working to a T because uh, Stone, Smith, uh, Pacioretty, Carlson, uh, Marcia. So they're all struggling to score. I think I sent it in the group chat I have with you, Greg, and Ryan. Um, I think I said after game five, all those guys combined have six points in this series, which is just mind-blowing because it's it's a 3-2 series. And at the time, it was tied 2-2. Two to two, So it was just amazing to see that stat because – you would think if those guys aren't scoring for Vegas, Montreal would, would be in a pretty good position, but Petrangelo and, and Nicholas Waugh just seem to be carrying Vegas as, as best they can. And even Leonard, too, you know, Fleury hasn't been great lately, but Leonard's certainly been, um, you know, great for, for a backup. And I think that he should get the start tonight. I don't know what you think about that, end, but with just the way the series is right now, I, I don't see why you wouldn't start Leonard. Um, no, I totally agree. Uh, Leonard has, you know, Flurry's Flurry's maybe running into fatigue right now, some battle fatigue. Uh, I think the start, the most, the most recent Leonard start when they got the win, I think that group chat that you mentioned, we were, we were all like weighing in on if that was the right decision or not. And like to go back to that point, I was arguing that it is the right decision. Not just for the fact that you got to get Flurry some rest. He clearly needed some rest at that point in the series. I think it was going into game four. So you're 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 going into a game where you're or no, was it five or was it? It must have been four. It, it was they tied it up at four, yeah, it right? Was four, I think. So I think they're going into game four down two one, and they're not in a must win situation yet. Um, and Flurry is. Is you, they're seeing you're seeing signs of fatigue with Flurry. He had that blunder of a goal at the end of the at the end of Game Three, 
And um, so you kind of want to give him a rest. I thought it was a good move to give him some rest, but also to give yourself a look at another goalie. Um, Leonard played pretty well in that first game in the series. Uh, I think that was also a move to give Flurry some rest. Um, and he, he won game four. So you, you come out of that, now you've tied up the series, and now you have the option to go back to Flurry. And I really wanted to see Flurry come out strong and get another and get that win. Um, but he didn't. Montreal goes up three two. And uh, I think if you're Vegas, you gotta ride out Leonard now. Um, short money gains, Leonard's the only guy getting you wins right now in this series, and you can't afford any more losses. So I would expect to see Leonard moving forward. Um, I don't know if that decision has been made yet, so I don't really know who's going to be in net tonight, but I would look to see Leonard in net. Um, on the other side of the ice, though, Carey Price is another huge reason. He's, I saw it in the first series. I certainly saw it in the second series. He's locked in. He's, he's fully focused on the opportunity that's in front of him right now. Um, and he's a smart guy. He probably thinks that he, he knows that this, there's probably not going to be many more opportunities like this for him. Um, and, you know, given how much of an underdog they're going to be for this entire playoff series, uh, he's got to be playing his best to give his guys the best chance at winning. And s- certainly almost every single game thus far, uh, he's been doing that. So, I'm looking to see a nice little goaltender battle tonight between Leonard and Price. We'll we'll see who ends up getting the start on Vegas. But, yeah, Montreal just keeps riding Carey Price and playing that that trap game and making his job a little easier. They're they're probably going to find themselves waiting to see who they're going to be playing uh, in the finals. Yeah, and, and to your point, I, I think I would agree. I, I'd say that Leonard gets the start just to kind of shake things up. Montreal seemed to have a very difficult time trying to solve Leonard in game four. Uh, I think he only allowed one goal in that game, so he looked good. And Not to say that Montreal, I think, has figured out Flurry, but I think they've learned how to play against him, and that's why he's kind of been struggling in this series. Um just the first goal in game five, you know, Josh Sanderson gets the puck. He makes a power move. I thought it was going to be a goal through the five hole, but Flurry made a, a great save. But, you know, when he overcommits on Josh Anderson, it leaves the net wide open. And Kakaniemi just cleans up the garbage there, and, and it's one nothing uh, Montreal. So I, I think Leonard should get the start just to make Montreal a little – unweary about uh him and net and, and a little less uh focused and, and a little less uh predictable um yeah and, and price too price has just been phenomenal i mean everyone says that he's been their best penalty killer but i'd argue to say that he that whole team collectively is just a penalty he's con smite he's con smite material man <laughs> no he absolutely is he Absolutely is, especially if they win tonight. I don't even see how he couldn't be brought up. Uh, you know, you, you go to the other side of the, the ice here and you see um, Point. Point. Point, I think, yeah, is going to be the only one. If, right. if both those teams make it all the way, it's gonna, it might come down to whoever wins. 
Um, but I think it's it's basically just price and point at this at this point in time. And there's not a whole lot of time for anyone else to make a strong case. No, not at all. And and you know, Carey Price has been playing out of his mind, but you know, it's nothing new. Um, but collectively, as a penalty killing team, they still have more goals on the penalty kill than they've allowed on it. And I want to say they're also they killed 12 straight penalties or 13. I, I forget the number, but it, it's just been a very impressive game by by Montreal throughout these whole playoffs. They've they've I think personally been the the best team of the four remaining. Um, and I, I, I don't think I said it to you or anybody in the group chat, but after game two, I was like, I'm convinced fully that Montreal is winning the Stanley Cup. I was just convinced after game two's performance because in my eyes, game two was, was going to be telling to see if Vegas can really uh, be the team that Montreal hasn't faced in the sense that everyone said, Okay, so Montreal got through the Canadian division. They beat the Jets. They beat the Leafs. Big deal. Now it's time for them to face a real team in Vegas. And I always thought, I'm like, man, that's that's kind of it's kind of a dumb thing to say, for lack of a better term, because the way that they went through both those teams to me just was really convincing. And uh, I think we mentioned previous podcasts that um, when they went through the Jets, I was I was like, yep. That was their statement series, and they swept the Jets. So I have no more concerns with this team. I believe in them. And then again, you know, winning in game two in Vegas after a not a brutal loss, but definitely a, a, a defeating loss for them after winning seven straight. Uh, they, they rebounded really well in game two, and I was like, yep, I think this team's going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm pretty convinced of it. And we've seen that performance from them ever since they've really been playing Vegas and now they're, they're at home and they have an opportunity to close this series. I got to believe that they're going to close it out tonight. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, I had a thought. Just give me a second to have it come back. Um, oh yeah. So you were saying that, um, you know, after game two of this series, I think you were pretty confident in them winning. I don't think you mentioned it to me, but I think, you know, you and I were watching like game two of either game five, six or seven of their first series with Montreal together. And I think I was like saying it at that point when they were amounting that comeback, I was, I was saying that that series was over. They were going to come back and clear that one up. And I think either that next podcast we recorded or the one after that, um, I was kind of alluding to to a king like run from from the 2012 season, and man, that is like exactly what we're seeing here. Um, it's it, this is this has been thus far my favorite series to watch. Uh, in fact, Dave and I are going to be watching it later tonight. Um, and he asked me a few days ago if if we wanted to watch a game this week and if. If either if I had any preferences on which series we watched, and you know, I told him I've been enjoying this Montreal Vegas series a lot more. Um, and he completely agreed with me. He's a Bruins fan, and he agreed with me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they, uh, Montreal is is really just like playing like a like 
their, their entire team is sort of playing like that um, identity line plays on a lot of teams, you know, everybody's really running with that notion that no one really gave them a shot. No one gave them uh, a thought really at winning even a game to your point in the playoffs this year. And they're like, like you say, they're a win away. Everybody's playing gritty. Everybody's just doing what they need to. They're sticking to their system, even through all the adversity. I mean, their coach hasn't been on the bench for what, three games now? Four games, not four. Three or four games now? Uh, I think it'll be three tonight. I think when it'll be three to tonight. I think when okay. they went to Montreal for game three, he was out, but he was there. Gotcha. For game okay. I mean, that's still a good amount of games to to not really have your coach. Um, they're you know they're taking sticks to the face and they're they're winning games in overtime, like no calls, and they're still winning games in overtime. Man, I mean. It doesn't get much more grinded out than a series like this for Montreal. Um, this is like this is one of those things where if Montreal wins the cup this year and they make a documentary on it in 10, 20 years, you're going to be watching it and they're just going to be showing, you know, all the nitty gritty that's going on, all the, the, the Corey Perry high stick, um, you know, all the all the jabs and punches that they're getting like right in front of refs and everything. And I guess this is a segue into the officiating of this series, man. It's, um, it is like, it's just too much. It's, it's the officiating is just being injected into some of these games and subsequently some of these series, I think, uh, you see, you see picture images the next day of, it's like a still of you know a Vegas with an out you know an extended arm right in Caulfield's face or or uh, Kakaniemi's face, and there's a ref literally just staring there looking at it, and it's like, how is the whistle not coming out? How how are we not seeing something there? It's like I saw another meme today, and it was like, there's only two styles of officiating this playoffs. Everything is going to get called where absolutely nothing is going to be called. And and when you officiate games like that, you can sway them so much. I mean, just take last night, for example, when with, with six minutes left in the third period, tied game, elimination game, and there's a penalty called for, for tripping, was it? Are you talking about I last can't. night's game? Last night's game, yeah. Uh, high stick. But the high, I remember saying in the, in the chat, I said, it's not even a high stick because Maroon lifted Martin's stick, which then caused a chain reaction to have Martin's stick hit Maroon in the face. Yeah. So it was like, it was like um, in the real cook, it was like when you guys were playing the Predators and Svechnikov was originally called for a high stick. But I yes. think on the replay, it showed like Arvidsson lifted. It was his teammate's stick, stick that, that came yeah. across and hit him. Yeah. It's like, why didn't they review it there to at least show that Martin didn't? you know, lift his stick intentionally or lift voluntarily. Yeah, voluntarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I agree. It's you know what? I hope the whistles go away because these like these two teams are very evenly matched. Like Vegas is such a high throttle team and Montreal is figuring out ways to douse the flames. Um but they are still so high throttle that they can manage to hang around. Um, 
Really looking forward to this game six. I, I really want them to close it out here in Montreal. I think the fans up there deserve it, um, despite how little of them can get into that arena. Those fans outside are going to go wild. Yeah, and it's it's only for the conference finals. So I don't know, man. I mean, I I hate to say it. I've been hearing a lot from people that they don't want this, but I would love to see a Montreal New York finals. Uh especially after all that, you know, after or extracurriculars from the fans last night after their game. You know, I don't think it was very smart for them to be chucking all that stuff out there, but you also get a sense, you know, of, of how excited and how passionate those fans are in the moment. Um, so I think either of those fan, fan bases would go absolutely bonkers. Um, and certainly, at, you know, Montreal, New York, um, I, I don't know if you could say that they deserve one more, um, but you know, Tampa just had one last year. Vegas is still a brand new team. Uh, a lot of people forget that because of how successful and how deep they tend to go. Um, but Montreal has not seen an opportunity in a long, long time. And New York really hasn't been much to, to watch either since their, um, their, you know, their record cup run back in the 80s. So... It'd be really cool to see those two franchises going toe-to-toe, and and it'd be really unpredictable, I think, is what I mentioned last night. It'd be the most unpredictable series uh, just in general, not just from, like, picking who you think would win. I think it would just be a very unpredictable series in general. Like, I could easily see, you know, visitors only winning or, uh, you know, it could be a one-for-one-for-one-for-one-for-one kind of game, like, who knows and and so to me that that factor of uncertainty uh, as well as the idea of what you know of what fans could do after a, a big win together really intrigues me and so i definitely want to see montreal move on uh in this series like i said i'd really like to see them win it tonight um but they they're playing consistently. I mean, even when they lose, this team is is you don't see a whole lot of difference. They they don't change a whole lot. They don't tweak a whole lot. And in the playoffs, I really really like that play style because, um, you know, there's a point where you 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 do need to get desperate and start tweaking things. Um, but Montreal has not yet hit that point, and I really like that their coach is continuing to just stick to what they're doing. Um, because obviously it's working, and and even when they have tough losses, like the like the first game of this series, um, they bounce back. It's that short term memory starts kicking in. That's that's another huge factor, another quality about elite teams that that win cups is that they have a very very short term memory. Um, so yeah, so and price price of all of them, you know, has got to have the shortest term memory and. And I mean that team up and down just is they're all on the same page. You can see it, you know, everybody's, you know, Perry's coming out after his high stick as soon as the game is over and giving all his buddies a whack on the back. Um, as they pass by, you know, his his uh mutant face <laughs> pretty yeah, much. That, that mold face. It looked like yeah. a, a tiger slashed him. Um tomorrow I'll be at Ryan's house. He texted me as soon as the uh Islanders won. 
in overtime and said game seven at my place. And I was like, totally, man. So you'll be at Dave's tonight and I'll be watching that, that game tomorrow. And I can't wait. Um, I saw a stat, by the way, that said, uh, yes, Barry Kakaniemi has joined only Crosby and uh, Gretzky in company as far as having like, I think it was under the age of 21, I want to say, and having nine goals in the first 25 playoff games they've they've had. And it was just like, holy cow, I didn't even realize that that he was in that sort of company. I like you didn't even hear it going into this series or even throughout the playoffs. Like, hey, Kakaniemi's got, you know, six goals through eighteen games. He could possibly beat or at least tie the record that yeah. you know Gretzky or, or, or Crosby are and you never heard that. And I think it just goes to yeah, show dude. how great their depth was. You know, and speaking of, you know, statistics on their team that you haven't heard of, look, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't check out their special teams numbers for the postseason, it's it's beyond elite numbers. And, and they're the Montreal Canadiens. Like if you saw that data without the name, you'd, you'd probably be guessing what Tampa, Carolina. I don't even know if you could really guess any other team having those kind of numbers with with their special teams. What is it like? Yeah, so I got four, like three for forty on the penalty kill. Or, yeah, I, um, I don't have them overall, but their penalty kill is is ninety three point two percent. That's crazy. Their that is play is not as that, that means that they could get ten. They could get ten calls and maybe not get a goal. Likely not get a goal. Well, you know what? I also um, mentioned uh, a couple of things. I said if if Tampa Bay were to beat, and I said this yesterday prior to game six, I said if Tampa Bay beats the Islanders, you know, everyone's going to be like, oh, Montreal is just going to get stomped if they were to win and play the uh, Lightning. It'd be a boring series. Lightning would win. And I'm just like, you are going to have a team. Uh, Tampa Bay with the best power play. Actually, they don't. Colorado does. But one of the best power plays up against the Montreal Canadiens, who are by far the best penalty kill. And Tampa Bay, primarily, I mean, I, I, the last time I checked, it was around 47%. They were getting or either 44 or 43% of their goals were coming from the power play. So I'm, I was looking at that, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Tampa Bay has yet to meet a team that knows how to kill penalties. And when they meet Montreal, if this you know ends up happening, that's going to be a hell of a series because – Tampa Bay is going to have to solely rely on being able to score five on five against Montreal because, I mean, Montreal, like you said, they kill penalties. I mean, if ten if ten calls were made, they're running at an average to kill nine of nine of those ten penalties, um, at even at a higher rate. Well, yeah, but, nine and, and a half. Well, what were you going to say? I was going to. I was going to say they're technically killing nine and a half out of every ten right. penalties, yeah, which even... means that you could get ten calls, and about half the time, every ten calls, you're not getting anything, which is extremely frustrating, especially for a team like Tampa, a team right. that relies on the power play and channels a lot of their momentum, almost all of their momentum through their through their power play. I feel. Correct. And when they don't get the calls, when they don't get the, um, or when they do get the calls but don't get the goals, they become an extremely frustrated team, and and that's when they're at their weakest. That's when Montreal can can strike. Yeah, and, and to your point, um, I, I think 
Greg was mentioning in the uh, group chat that a Vegas Tampa Bay series would be, you know, electric and and uh, I just responded to him like, man, like their top five forwards on Vegas aren't even scoring right now, and they're playing against Montreal. If they somehow like come back and beat Montreal, and then they play Tampa and have the same issue. I just don't see how Tampa Bay wouldn't roll through Vegas, um, especially. That's with a, a good point. You, especially with a struggling flurry, with a struggling offense, and this isn't anything new, by the way. Um, Vegas for the last couple of years has had scoring issues. I remember this was going back in 2020 when they were against uh, Dallas in the conference finals. Um, they were struggling to find offense. They couldn't. They were even struggling to beat uh, Vancouver in the second round. They uh, Thatcher Demko had to come in because I think Markstrom got injured or something, and it was game five. And in game five, they were up three to one in that series, and Thatcher Demko stole two games. I mean, <laughs> Vancouver should have lost both those games, but Thatcher Demko was like adamant that you know he was not letting his team, uh, you know, off the hook. He was going to bail them out, and so a game seven was forced. And again, it was I, I think he may have had a shutout in either game five or six. And it was to a point where it was like, I, Vancouver might win this series just simply because Vegas is having scoring issues. They eventually would beat um, Vancouver and, and then against Dallas in the conference finals. Again, it was they can't score on Hudobin. They could not score against Hudobin. Smith, Riley, Patretti, those guys just, they couldn't find the back of the net. And you're seeing it now. And so I think with their, with my analysis of them, it's like the further they go into the playoffs, the harder it is for them to score. Yeah, their team definitely feels playoff fatigue, and you can yeah you can see it. And and I mean, to some of that is to to their goalie feeling. I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think Flurry's starting to get some fatigue, some playoff fatigue. And um, Vegas is a team that, especially this postseason, I feel has really. Uh, They've really uh, utilized Flurry, uh, the the level of play that he's been playing with, to step the team up and to kind of um, you know come together around Flurry. And you know now that Flurry's feeling the fatigue, you can see the team falling into it too. Uh, if Vegas finds a way to move on, and it likely will probably be through Petrangelo, because um, as far as the offense goes, he is. He looks the most surefire right now, which is yeah, a scary thought was, for Vegas fans. And then a defenseman is your is your number one producer. That um, is the next point about Petrangelo. Yeah, if they if they find a way to move on, they will have to figure out a way to break the slump of of at least Marsha. So he's got to start getting back on the board. Um, who else is out there? Uh, uh, Carlson. Carlson. He, he's been quiet. Patrick, Stone Stone. Patrick, there, yeah, those four guys right there um, really got to gotta figure out a way to get hot and get hot quick if they want to, A, stick around for another for a Game 7, and if they find a way to win that Game 7, if they want to win the Cup, they're going to have to start scoring because um, Tampa Bay is not a team that you want to be struggling to score against. Carolina did. They were uh, – we had a lot of – we had a lot of cold guys in that series, and it – it didn't help us. There's there's a lot there was a lot contributing to that series loss. But um, as far as the Hurricanes go, they they do need to f- figure out how to get these guys not so cold during the postseason. Last year, um, Neil Ryder was like ice cold during the postseason. 
Uh, Sveshnikov was pretty cold in that Tampa series. Uh, Teravainen was cold. So, yeah, Vegas is in that same boat right now. They got about three or four goal scorers that aren't really scoring right now. So, um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But we can. I'll, I'll dish it back to you if you want to talk about Petrangelo quick. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I, I think I even mentioned it earlier briefly uh, when I started, but when Petrangelo is your leading scorer, not leading scorer, but at least a, a good reason why you're still in this series, it's it's not good because you're going to basically need him to show up every game, and he has, but how long can he do that until fatigue sets in or until this doesn't work anymore? Um, and I, I looked again to clarify, and I was right, Mark Stone still has yet to record a single point in this series, and, you know, he's the captain of this team, and you want him to show up, obviously, especially playing alongside Patch Reddy and... and uh, um, either Smith or Carlson or Marsha, so, or Stevenson, I'm sorry, he, he's the center. Stevenson's been out, so injuries have definitely hurt them, but um, I'll actually quickly go back to the refereeing because I, I didn't mention it, but I, I would agree. And I'm, I don't want to hear, I keep seeing everyone saying, oh, the Vegas Golden Refs or the refs are to putting on their Vegas jersey. And, you know, to me, it, it's absolutely absurd. I'm just getting tired of uh, of, of seeing people say, you know, referees are favoring one team over the other um, because, you know, if, if you're caught on a hot mic saying you want to you want to call a penalty um, on, on a team and, and you get fired for that, wouldn't you think these refs would be fired if they favor a certain team, you know? And because I've seen, I saw in game four, uh, Joel Edmondson uh, of Montreal cross-checked. It's a textbook cross-check and it's like a, you could have called two penalties on him, cross-checking a boarding. And it sends Carrier right into the um, part of the the boards where it sticks out, where the glass connects to the boards, and then it's kind of that, like, inch-long area or so. And he crushes his face right on there, and you're just thinking, like, the ref is sitting right there, and he doesn't even call it. And you're just like, what are you doing? And, and, and then <laughs> the calls that actually get made are a gimpy little hook where right. Suzuki just exactly. really, you know, just taps. Um, I think it was Martinez. Either Martinez or, uh, oh my gosh, who's 27? Shea Theodore. It was one of those guys. And then that gets called. You're like, so hold on. H- hold the phone here. You can literally um, just jam someone's head right in- into the boards. That's totally okay. But a gimpy little hook is, is you got to hammer that. You got to get that down. Um, and, and there were plenty of other examples. Uh, yeah. Where, where uh, the, first of all, at the end of the second period, I think in game four, Suzuki and, and McNabb are going at it. And, uh, you know, they're, it was getting to the end of the period. There were seconds left. And they get up and they're, you know, they're hitting one another and they're pushing back and forth. And Suzuki pushes back and Braden McNabb steps it up and punches him square in the face. It's a sucker punch because uh, Suzuki wasn't expecting it. And the ref is sitting right there, looks right at it, and then just doesn't call anything. You're I like, think, dude. I think this is the still image that I saw. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that, and that was Chris Lee, by the way, who was calling last night's game six between the uh, Islanders and the um, Islanders. Oh, that's funny because. Like, uh, 
the did you the headman had a what was it like an interference call or it's something or Sergachev was it Sergachev? Yeah, it, it was, was Sergachev. No, oh. Sir, I'm thinking Sergachev. It was oh the interference was, call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when yeah, and I mean like I didn't see the I didn't have the volume on, so I wasn't like listening to what had happened. So I was just waiting for the replay because I could see that Sergachev was pissed. Mm-hmm. And I watched the replay, and man, as much as I hate to say it, that that like Tampa is favored by the officiating. That was a pathetic call. I feel bad for Sergachev. He was in he was in front of the guy. He had positioning. And I don't even know. Uh, it, like his foot doesn't even kick out. It doesn't really like do anything. His, his arm doesn't come trip. out. Yeah, his I, arm doesn't come out to block the Islanders and they, player. And they me. ultimately both go down into the boards in the corner. And it's like I don't know. I don't know what it is anymore. It's the the Carolina Tampa series. I would say officiating favored Tampa at least in Game Three and Four because it was like we would go up two really hot on even strength, and all of a sudden, you know, there's these two soft calls, and Tampa finds a way to score on one of the power plays and rides that momentum to tie it up on even strength. But but now it's just like bad officiating. It's yep. bad decision making. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I, <sighs> go ahead. I, I would agree because, like I said, I, I don't even want to hear that the referees are favoring Tampa or they're favoring Vegas because you know the NHL wants to have a Vegas Tampa final. I don't even want to hear that because, like you said, that Sergachev call. I thought that was bad. Uh, Headman in game. Uh, was it four? Yeah, game four had a, I thought, a really weak trip. The one where he kind of reacts and breaks his stick. I don't agree with Hedman's reaction. I think you got to control your emotions there. Um, but I could totally understand his frustration because, again, Ann, it's throughout that game, they are letting cross checks go without any sort of penalty. And it's, it's unbelievable to me because yeah. these cross checks are, they're not in front of the net where it's wide open and you can't really hit anything. These cross checks are where players are turned around with their face. They're buck from right behind. And they'll go up. And which is already a vulnerable hit. <laughs> right. And it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, last night's game, Scott Mayfield cross checks um, Kucherov, who then got out of the game. I think he must have, you know, I thought Kucherov's injury was the shoulder, and that's why he was out the whole season, but I guess it was his knee. Whatever the case may be, he's re-injured something because he didn't return. And later on in the game, by the way, that wasn't called. And then later on in the game, Scott Mayfield, again, cross-checks Stamkos, and Stamkos' nose gets clipped right on the boards um, because he's turned around facing the boards, and it doesn't even get called. It's like, what? I, I don't even get it. I mean, I've seen a lot of right. people say that we went from knowing what a penalty was to suddenly not even right. knowing how this game's going to be called anymore. And again, to, to Hedman's point, Hedman's trip in game four was literally a tap on Clutterbuck's shin guards. It wasn't even like his stick got under his blade when he was lifting it up. He just tapped his shin guards and he falls. And you're like, that's not a trip. Well, Sorry. Paul. Yeah. Dude, it- Dude, you go back, go back to our series in Game Three. Aho's called for a cross check that happens in front of our net, and it's like a shove from from the side 
kind of behind and the guy falls forward and that's what draws the call. And it's it's not even a cross check. It's it's just like that gritty, you know, the way you play in front of the net when you're a center or a defenseman. You know, if someone's standing there in front of your goalie, you gotta clear the lane. That like that's not new. And it wasn't a scrum. It was just those two. It didn't it didn't get pushed into the goalie. It didn't get um like no one was hurt. The guy just got pushed and he fell forward. And they call that a cross check. Hamilton gets or Hamilton or Shea gets called for a, a, a hooking while the opponent is holding their stick, you know, under their armpit. I mean, there's just like, I, I hope someone like compiles all these things, like calls and note or calls that were made and, call, uh, you know, sim, like same, um, same type of penalty call, just not the penalty called. I, I I wish somebody could would compile all those things together from this from this postseason because it's just been the most inconsistent and like you say we don't even really know what calls are anymore it's, it's that inconsistent. You will actually be happy because I saw a compilation of somebody who took Montreal game three and four and compiled what was called and what wasn't called. And so that's going around. And I'm sure that, you know, by the time these playoffs are over, someone will compile a game where, you know, all the players and show them, like you said. Um, But I I think we kind of hammered it enough on officiating. Um, We'll go into the the Islanders and and Tampa series real quick. And, uh, you know, good on the Islanders for, for tying up the series last night. What a game. There's a lot of energy in Nassau Coliseum because I think the fans knew that if the Islanders lost that game, it was uh, it was going to be the last game in Nassau. Hey, it uh, still could be. I, I think it, that they knew that, too. They did. They did. And uh, if they win in Game 7, though, I, obviously they have to go back to Nassau because I think it's the only uh, stadium available for them. So, you know, that'll be good for the fans. But you could definitely tell in last night's game, um, when they were down 2 nothing, that that crowd did not stop chanting you know, go Islanders or, I mean, they're so loud. I can't even tell what they chant sometimes. And like you say, yeah, they, uh, sometimes they're chanting like three different things at once. And it's like, <laughs> am I hearing, you know, they're a very loud and, and passionate crowd. And, you know, I understand the criticism of that, that uh, fan base when they're throwing beer cans on the ice after their team won. But I think it's just, you know, the, like you say, it's the emotion and the passion from those and, fans. And, and to an extent, it's been, the, it's been you know, oh, let's not forget the last 15 months that have been piling up on people. Exactly. It's, it's a lot of freedom. People, you know, are getting, people are acting crazy, but it, it's, you know, throwing beer cans on the ice at the end of the day, as long as the players aren't hit and it didn't look like anyone got hurt. At the end of the day, that's not the worst way to express your excitement. Um right. And they but, were, I, but I agree. You, you, it is a little ugly, and I mean, I personally, if if in a utopian world, wait till everyone's off the ice. It, it isn't safe. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And you know, it was funny to hear uh, Eddie Olchek and Brian Boucher <laughs> respond to the to what was going on. Both were just dude. They were like shell shocked. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were, had no was, clue what to make of it. Yeah, that was funny to hear the call. Um, but overall, I think 
The Islanders deserve a lot of credit, especially Barry Trotz. Um, this was actually familiar territory for Barry Trotz. In 2018, when he was coaching the uh, Capitals, they were down 3-2 to two against the uh, against the Lightning, and he found a way to come back in that series. I don't doubt his potential in this one. Uh, I know your original prediction for this series was Islanders in seven, and so far he at least got the games right now. It's just up to the to the team. And um, I really think that the Islanders will win game seven with all the momentum. You know, coming back from a very, very embarrassing game in game six where they lose yeah. in Tampa, you know, yeah. to see a response from them to win uh, three to two. There's that short-term memory, man. No, yeah, exactly. And I think that Barry Trotz, uh, I don't know if he was a finalist for the Jack Adams, but, you know, tossing his name this in year. at each year is not a bad idea. You can't go wrong with throwing his name in, in the Jack Adams Award. Um you know, because yeah. the, the guy knows yeah, how no. to coach and and he, he's been a, he, he's doing a really good job of short term memory where if if it seems like Varlamov is off his game, he is not hesitant to take him out and put Sorokin in. And I know in game six that or I'm sorry, I know that in game five that didn't help. But, you know, he, he's not new. This isn't new to him. He, he's taken Varlamov out and and but, put Sorokin in that whole Islanders. Uh, sorry, that whole right. series, Sorokin uh, got all four wins there. And then when they played the Bruins, Varlamov got all four wins in that series. So he's not afraid to switch and uh, and make those tactics, make those strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in like, you know, another to your point, man, he has won a championship. He knows what it takes. He, he knows how valuable short term memory can be. And and, you know, that game that you mentioned uh, switching to Sorokin game five, uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't do anything for that game, but it's not to say it didn't do something for the series. It, uh, it clearly could have. It, it sends your team a message. It wakes guys up. Um, you know, your goalie is a pretty powerful tool in hockey. He's, he's typically respected by every guy on the ice. Um, the defense, you know, holds him in extreme uh, an extreme position. Um, and so when you tool with that as a coach in the postseason, you can send your guys a message. You can, you can wake guys up. You can, it's not just changing the goalie. Um, there's, there's levels beyond that. And if, if you're a new fan to hockey, I'm sure the more you watch, especially during the postseason, look, it, this isn't as, as uh, relevant to the regular season. But in the postseason, you can really work magic, I guess, by by having a tap on your goaltending situation and on your team overall. And Barry Trotz, uh, especially over the last three, four seasons, um, has really solidified himself as a, a, to your point, as a pretty pretty regular Jack Adams contender. I mean, it's the it's three nominations, but if there was a fourth or a fifth you know, he might've gotten it this year. Yeah. And I, I think he should have, um, can't remember off the top of my head what the other ones were. I know that Brendan Moore was, um, it was Brendan Moore. It was Minnesota and Quinville. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty fair. I guess it would be pretty hard to take one of those guys out. Um, but you know, credit to Tampa Bay too. I mean, their, their offense is just so, 
it's so potent to, to, to be a team that tries to shut them out. They have so many options that, you know, even if you were to shut down Point and Kucherov and Stamkos, they got Sorelli, they got um, Yanni Gord, they have uh, Tyler Johnson, they have, you know, all these other second, you know, liners slash depth players that can get on the board if Kucherov and Point were to be struggling. Um, and you saw it in game five. I mean, they scored eight goals, and Point only had one goal in that game. And I, I don't know if Kucherov scored. I think uh, Killorn had two, and so did uh, Stamkos. So a team where it's so difficult to shut them out, um, whether it's five-on-five five or, or on the power play. But you know, credit to them, too. They've had a hell of a series here, and going to game seven, I think, is – is uh is quite the reward or, or quite the condemnation for both these teams because they've been fighting it out uh, and the islanders have been able to shut out the uh, tampa bay lightning besides game game five and, and varlamov really you know he's kind of been like the least impressive goalies of of the four we've seen with price vasilevsky and and uh uh, flurry but he's he's i don't know what it is he's just got this x factor about him where it, it's either hit or miss with him but man when he's on his game it's so hard to beat that guy and you know obviously he struggled you know lately but the, the team around him is just built to be very defensively oriented so even if he's having a bad game they can step it up and, and be more defensive and they did that in, in game uh, last night's game, where you know they go up two nothing, and I even I'll, I'll admit it, I said it in the group chat. I said game over um, because I <laughs> once Tampa Bay scored twice, I was like, I just don't see the Islanders coming back. From that point on, Arlamov and and the Islanders shut it down, and they uh, they out they outshot um, Tampa Bay seven to nothing, I think. In the third period, uh, right before May- Mayfield's goal to tie it up, and it was so funny because on the faceoff, I think Eddie Olchek goes, "You know, hey Bush, um, yeah, you know the Islanders have outshot the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning six nothing so far in this period. You know they're dominating right now. And they're getting a lot of momentum, and off that faceoff, you know, a couple seconds later or a couple minutes later." Mayfield scores and, and snipes it, and you're just like, oh my gosh, man. Like, it, it was unbelievable because that was uh, nine minutes and 30 seconds into the third period, and, and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning didn't have a single shot. They were completely smothered and completely shut out by, by the Islanders. And like I said, it, it's impressive to, to see a team shut out a powerhouse like Tampa Bay is. Mm. And then I yeah. think one last thing I'll say is, when Kucherov went down, I saw a funny comment. I just had to share. Uh, it said, oh, now they're only $10 million over the cap. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one, too. That was a good one. Um, no, nah, I didn't want to put you on blast for that. Um, but since you brought it up, I'll be straight about it. Last night, when you messaged that, that the game is over, I was placing my phone down. Um and I was lazy. I was gonna. I was gonna respond to that and say, "Yeah, I think it is too." But I got lazy and I forgot about it because I have short-term attention and memory. 
and uh like maybe five minutes like i'm talking game game time five minutes later maybe six or seven somewhere in like the five to seven minute range i had picked the phone back up and saw the message again and like at that point i didn't even want to respond because i i didn't feel an agreement anymore it was I mean, you called that really early in the game. And what was funny is that you mentioned that, you know, you're not ruling anything out this postseason before the game has started. So I really got a kick out of it. Um, and I like I mean, like I said, at that point when I recognized the message again and, you know, reconsidered responding to it, I was just ready to watch. I just I had a feeling in my gut that um islanders were gonna we're gonna remain strong remain headstrong and just play each period like it's a new game um and they definitely did that and they made their comeback and then i got another feeling about the bovillier winner um and that one came through for me last night too so i was just enjoying the game last night after you had said that i really did feel like it was over with i did feel like tampa was now gonna uh, scurry away with the win and just um be sitting there waiting for Montreal or Vegas. Uh, but it didn't turn out to be like that. They really put up a nice fight. That was an awesome, awesome playoff game to watch. Um, the only, I, I guess the only thing that could have been better about it was a little bit more free hockey, a little extra free hockey. They, they ended it in like just over a minute of overtime. Um, but that was a thrilling win. That was a thrilling victory. And it's really setting the stage for an exciting game seven. I hope both teams are locked in um, yeah. because it, it's going to be, if it's anything like a, like game six was, the hype should be around this game seven. I think even if the Vegas series goes to a game seven, I don't think it'll be as hyped as this game seven, in my opinion. I don't think so either. Um, so the reason why, I'll, I'll just quickly explain why I said the game was over then. That was right after um, the Islanders had a five-on-three for... Man, they, they had that five-on-three, I think, for about... Oh, man, was it like 30, 40 seconds or so, something like that? Uh, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, they have to score here. They have to score. If they don't score here and, you know, Tampa finds a way to put it in the back of the net, I just don't see how the Islanders can come back. You know, I, I think they'd feel a little bit defeated and they'd feel like, oh, boy, is, is this going to be another game five where suddenly Tampa got the momentum and just it never stopped. And I remember Tim was still up at the time. He went to bed a little early and I just turned to Tim and I, I said, man, they really didn't need to let that goal in. That was killer for the Islanders. And Tim, with a great call, I'll shout out him. You know, he's a Capitals fan, but, you know, he's he hasn't really followed as close as Andy and I, but he goes, you know, d never doubt Barry Trotz. And, and, you know, he went into a very sim, he, you know, you know, Tim, he brought up the art of war and he said, you know, Barry Trotz reminds me of an art of war guy who, you know, is, is just a coach who, you know, very adamantly supports his team. He knows his, he knows his opposition. He's been in this position before, um, you know, like, like the broadcast said earlier, uh, Barry Trotz was down 3-2 against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in 2018, and he was able to come back and win two games in a row. So clearly he knows what it takes to, to win in, in a very desperate uh, situation. Wow. So when Tim went to bed, I was like, yeah, that's pretty good insight. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And lo and behold, Dude, I, he came back. 
and I was like, <laughs> "Damn it!" <laughs> like, how, how I, I got to admit, that? I know that man. I got to admit here that is, um, if you know our brother, he's he's like at least over the course of of our lives, he has never been the hockey guy, never really been the sports guy. Um, and dude, like when you guys were out here and he was watching with us, he's he's becoming a bit of a hockey fan. And and oh. dude, he's an in, he's an intrinsic guy. So, uh, you know, he he's calling him like he sees him, and he's just implementing different principles than we do. So I got to give him credit. That's a that's a phenomenal take on Barry Trotz. Shout it, out Tim. <laughs> it, it it shocked me because I'm just like Tim saw the whole 2018 run. He saw the whole thing. And I remember him, I remember myself telling Tim, like, you know, you have Barry Trotz. He's a very well, well that's, yeah. admirable coach. And, you know, Tim, though he may not understand the sport as best we do or may not follow it as best as we do. Like I said, Tim is a very analytical guy when it comes to people's personalities and people's um, character. And so Tim may not be able to look at a game and go, oh, wow, the momentum's on, you know, Tampa Bay side or, oh, it looks like. You know, he can't call a game like we can. Where I, I've, I've called like three goals in the last two days where I just see a guy wide open and I go, goal, two seconds later it goes in. You know, I don't think Tim could do that. But what Tim can do is look at a coach and understand his coaching style because he, he can analytically look at a coach and understand with the principles he's learned from Sun Tzu's Art of War and, and implement that into a coach. Yeah. And he saw that last Especially night. Especially over the Especially, you know, when he if he's watching a, an entire ser- playoff run like that, right? Um, you exactly. get a really good feel because you. I mean, in theory, your entire playoff run, if you win the cup, is a war. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's not, and it's a comprised of little battles. You're battling every single second with, for the puck. You're battling every single period for the scoreboard. You're battling every single game for the scoreboard, and you're certainly battling every single game for the series overall. So, hey, I gotta give him credit, man. He's really coming around on hockey, and he's—I mean, if that's a—if that's a true take from him, he's—he's he's knowledgeable. He's—he's he's pretty hockey uh, hockey savvy. I—I I, I would upgrade him, upgrade his status. He's, he's <laughs> very savvy with Barry Trotz, and. You know, because I was when it was two nothing, I said this game's over, and I was telling mom, and I was getting frustrated watching the game because I, I I just wanted to see a game seven. You know, I I think game sevens are really really fun, and I think we've only seen one so far in the playoffs with Minnesota and Vegas. I could be wrong, but on a quick glance, I think there's only been one. So this would be the second one, and it's in the conference finals. So you know it's going to be a, a stellar game to watch if the Islanders could force it, but. You know, Tim told me, never doubt Barry Trotz. And, you know, he learned that in 2018. Barry Trotz was the head coach who, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers this from 2018, but against Columbus, the first two games, Holtby didn't start both those games. It was Philip Grubauer. And um, the Capitals lost both those games. In Washington, Columbus had a 2 nothing series lead going into Columbus, and people were questioning, like, oh, boy, is this just the same old, same old Capitals? Here's another first-round exit. Exactly. I'll step up. I, I, was, I think as soon as that second game ended, I was like, it's over. Completely yeah. done. This is, this is just same old, same old Washington wasting another playoff position. That's, that's exactly how I reacted after that second game. 
right. And then Holpe goes in and he played stellar from that point on. And, um, you know, analyzing that, I think I told Tim back in the day when that happened, I was like, so Barry Trotz, what he did there, Tim, is he put Grubauer in. Because I, I think going into the playoffs, Holpe was just, from my memory, I think Holpe was not playing great. And he was struggling. He probably had a pretty extensive regular season schedule, right. too, I imagine. Right. So he, he was probably going under fatigue. So what it was for possibly Barry was one of two things. It could be lighting a fire under Holpe saying he's got to play better hockey and he knows he can play better hockey. So prove it to me. Or it was just giving him the rest. Whatever it may be, that's a coaching decision that I think a lot of coaches in the NHL would likely not do. Um you look at somebody like Connor Halibut, that guy gets the lion's shares of starts. And Paul Maurice is look at Tampa. Three. Look at Tampa, too. Yeah, Vasilevsky. Look those, at Tampa. I mean, they're the team now. They're that team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Vasilevsky's not in net, this is a completely different team, Tampa yeah. Bay. Yep. I mean, the, I think uh, McElhinney got two starts against uh, Detroit this season. They lost both. Uh, but, you know, from that point on in 2018, the Capitals were stellar and they shut out um, the competition. They they won four straight against Columbus. They then beat their arch rivals and the Penguins, the uh, the Lightning. They had to go through adversity throughout the whole playoffs. They were down 3-2 to two against the Lightning. And then in the Stanley Cup final, it's not, not to say it was a cakewalk, but with the adversity they went through in the first three rounds of going up against Vegas, there was nothing for them. They they knew how they knew at that point how to win and how to play through adversity and you're seeing that with the Islanders, um, so I definitely have to give credit to Tim there. Um, he's a guy who will never doubt Barry Trotz and and he he seems to have a lot of faith in Barry Trotz and if Tim was a, uh, I think the writers vote on the Jack Adams I forget I think it was uh, the, the it's the uh, commentators commentators okay so the casters com- yeah. The casters and the commentators. If Tim was a caster or commentator, he'd always vote for Barry Trotz. I know that. <laughs> he has a lot of respect for Barry Trotz. And yep. It's nothing new. I, I think a lot of people should have respect for Barry Trotz. And if the Islanders go on to win game seven, there you go. I mean, I know that I last agree, year. because even, even wasn't, he was on St. Louis. And, I mean, he wasn't winning cups in St. Louis. But he was willing a team to the playoffs pretty consistently, I it thought. Was, it was Nashville, I think. Nashville? Yeah. He coached Nashville. Okay. I thought he was... And then I think the Capitals. Oh, Hitchcock, right? Ken yeah, Hitchcock. Ken Hitchcock. Was... Okay, that's who I'm thinking of. But okay. In With the Nashville Predators, uh, it was basically he was taking a Cinderella team that should not have been where they were right. and making it, you know, making it further than they should have been. They never... I think they got one conference final under him. Um, but yeah, yeah, they they went to the conference final in 2017, I think. They played Pittsburgh, I want to say. Yeah, did he actually coach that team? I forget. I don't know. 2017. But uh, I I think I totally agree with Tim. And you know, when they won, uh, Tim was asleep, so I didn't want to wake him up and and come and have him come down. Uh, the stairs to watch it but you know he woke up and actually i'll, I'll share the text he sent me i think he called barry trotz a goat <laughs> let me check did he really yeah let me see okay so 
This morning at 8.58, he goes, holy shit, Barry Trotz pulled it off. I said, you didn't hear me scream last night when they won? He sure did, man. It was incredible. He said, yeah, I did. My mind was just in a state where, you know, you're the state where asleep. you're sleepy and you just yeah. don't want to get up. Uh, I said it was off of a beautiful turnover in, in the lightning zone end zone. The Islanders picked it up and scored it, and he said, brilliant. And then he, I said, we're hoping for an Isles win in game seven. And he said, I'd like to see Trotz make it to the end again. He surely gets his $1 million bonus after this. Mm. And I said, I'd love to see him there, too. The guy deserves it. Tim said he's a GOAT. Yeah, um, so hey, Tim, that's coming Tim's from a Capitals some. fan, too. I mean, that's no hard feelings with his front front office letting that gem go, walk away, you know? Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. If Yeah, if he wins a cup this year, I didn't even realize that. But if he wins a cup this year, that's that's really going to shine a light on the front offices of Washington, in my opinion. It should. Well, even back-to-back conference finals. Because here's the thing, man. I mean... <sighs> where did that money go? You gave that money to Tom Wilson. You know, was it worth it? I mean, like on any, like, and forget about the guy. Tom Wilson is, is a story in and of itself, but there are very little players that I would put ahead of a coach priority. in, in my opinion, after a cup run, a successful cup run, I would almost always defer to the coach. I, I don't even like, I don't even. I can't even think of a player that I would like. I'd walk walk away from McDavid. I'd walk away from Slavin before I walked away from Rod Brendamore. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you look at the turnover they've had. They fired Todd Reardon, I think, after two seasons. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're on their new coach now. So they're struggling with trying to replace a coach like Barry Trotz. Hope he's gone. Grubauer's yep. gone. Goldie's gone. Gold, is gone. I mean, Sansonoff, you know, looks good. I, I think that with the season they had, it's kind of difficult to really assess the team. They, it was, you know what? I mean, it, they've lost so many pieces that they're almost having to go through like a quasi-rebuild, at yeah. least in specific departments, you know? Yeah, I agree. But anyways, we were talking about the first <laughs> series. Yeah, yeah I mean... <laughs> It's going to be a good one. I think it Game is. Seven is going to be a thrill. I'm I, I happy. Don't think it's going to be a blowout like Game Five was. Yeah, I agree. I think I think oh. we'll be watching a good one. So, just a real quick stat. I looked it up. The Lightning have only played five Game Sevens, and they're two and three. And the Islanders only played one Game Seven, and they're zero and one. So both these teams don't have winning records going into Game Seven to, tomorrow night which I thought was very interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I always have these reactions where if I see somebody, you know, is, I remember seeing a stat like the, the Winnipeg Jets in the regular season against uh, the Canucks in their last, like, 10 games or 10-0 and against the Canucks. And I just remember, I'm like, and this is going to be the game where the Canucks just win it. You know, that's how I kind of feel. So, with the Islanders not having a win in Game Seven, I just feel like the Islanders are just going to get it. You know, I don't yeah. know. That's really understandable in a sense, but whenever. Hey, I mean, dude! Statistics. If 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 there's a chance of something happening greater than zero, and it has happened multiple times in a row without that success, every single time the it's like a compounding effect. It's like it's like if I flipped a coin, if I flipped 
six heads in a row, you technically would think that a tails on the next pass is 50% still. It's actually like really, really high in favor of tails because um, doing, yeah, doing something repetitively without getting a success, you it's hard to explain because we're not in the math class and I'm not a teacher, but, but no, the, the longer something goes on without happening, if it has a certain percent chance of happening, the more likely it will happen on the next occurrence. So I totally agree. If it's been what, 10 game sevens without a win, you, you figure a 50, 50 chance. It's now one minus uh, one over two to the 11th power whatever that whatever that turns out to be that's like 99 percent chance that yeah if you're a true statistician <laughs> yeah yeah so we'll see what happens but you know these, these games should be you know must watch hockey i think tonight's game is going to be really really good um you know expect the guys we mentioned stone riley's march or so Smith, those guys to step it up. Those guys are going to have to step they up. They have to at this point. You can't, you're six games into a series, and Mark Stone doesn't even have a At some point, you have to wake up, and you have to start scoring. I know exactly. it's a tough ask against Carey Price, but you're going to have to do it in order to get by him. And then with the Islanders and Lightning, I don't know what happens. Uh, Same. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout like we saw in Game 5. I think you got to give the Islanders a lot of credit here. I think. Uh, and and. You just gotta watch tomorrow and see what happens. Yeah, it, look for the look for the goalies to stand on their heads. Look for the meeting of the minds between the coaches and the bench staff. Um, it, it's gonna, you know, tomorrow's the end of the war for uh, Tampa and New York. So, you know, it's gonna be a pretty high flying battle, I imagine. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I am too. With that being said, tonight's game is at eight o'clock on uh, USA. And it's obviously nice. You will be able to watch that. Yep. I've been able to watch all these games. They've gratefully been on NBCSN or, you know, USA. As long as they're not NBC. Uh, Okay. Okay. Cool. Because we just don't have cable. We can't watch them. Gotcha. I thought you were in the the sports network ones you didn't get. Oh, yeah. No, we, we luckily get them. Gotcha. You know, with that being said, enjoy today and tomorrow's games, everyone. Um, You know, Thank you for listening to us as always, and we hope you have fun watching the games. Peace out. Take care.